Welcome to 1001 Radio Crime Solvers Podcast. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we want 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to be your favorite place to go to enjoy a great mix of vintage detective shows from the golden age of radio. The scripts were great, the action was hot, and even the old commercials are enjoyable. And now, another episode of 1001 Radio Crime Solvers is ready to go. Enjoy! The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Sam Spade Detective Agency. That is the correct answer. You have just won $104 million, six deep freeze units, a stable of polo ponies with matching saddle soap, a terry cloth robe with chocolate bars pre-melted into the pockets, and a full-size, real, honest-to-goodness dreadnought, such as is used by Uncle Sam's Navy. Oh, I'm sorry you'll have to call back. I'm expecting to be taking dictation from my employer very shortly. Oh, I am sorry. Your time is up. And Edna St. Vincent Markowitz, who sent in the question, gets bumped off in front of the studio audience gathered in the Dredgewood Room here in Columbia Square. Next night, don't answer your phone, stupid. Oh, Sam. Let's have no coaching, please. Oh, well, did you find the cop? Was it murder? Was it really worth, um... Well, you know, priceless and like that, and was it fun? Yes, 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 and no. And finally, are you kidding? Well, then why was it called the Vapio Cup? It's a very old Greek expression, which is what I'll be wearing as I sit in your lap dictating my report on the Vapio Cup caper. <laughs> Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. Remember the Romeo of yesteryear? Hair parted in the middle, all plastered down. Man, what a difference today. Today, all a guy has to do to impress a gal is use Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Wild Root Cream Oil grooms the hair neatly and naturally, relieves dryness, and removes loose dandruff. If you're still using old-fashioned hair tonics, or none at all, then for her sake, spruce up today with Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. In bottles or the handy new tube, it's again and again the choice of men who put good grooming first. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. Date, uh, August 22nd, 1948, to uh, Jethro Chiswick, Esquire. Oh, spelling, Sam. Uh, E-S-Q-U... No, Sam, I meant the name. This, um, Chisro Jethwick. I did not say Chisro Jethwick. I said Jethro Chithwick. I mean, Chithro... Uh, look, we'll check it later. Oh, Sam, it might... I have an uncle in Berkeley named Smithwick. Leave your family out of this, Eph. But he's only by marriage, Sam. It's quite a common name. Name three people named Chiswick. No, Smithwick, Sam. Now, let's see, there's Uncle George and Aunt Amelia by a previous marriage. Then there's my cousin Rupert on the Christie side. When you have finished ruminating amongst the foliage of your family tree, Miss Perrine. Well, I only mentioned it in connection right, with that name we'll that you thought you... All right, all over again. Tear out that page. Yes, Your Highness? No, no, please. No need to curtsy. 
Uh, to uh, Jethro Chiswick. No comment, please. From Samuel Spade, license number 137596. <clears throat> What's that? Nothing, Sam, nothing. Throat. Subject, the Vafio Cupcaper. Dear Commodore, that's the way I like you. Meek. I had always considered myself fairly well-versed in the subject of cups, but if anybody had told me there was such a thing as a Vafio Cup, they could have knocked me over with one, which they did. Mr. Spade? Yeah? I'm Chester A. Brody. I talked with your secretary on the phone. Do you follow? Oh, uh, yes, Mr. Brody. Sit down. Rest your package. Thank you. I prefer to hold it for the time being. My card, sir. Theophilus and Brody, importers and exporters, mm-hmm. Mr. Theophilus is my partner, Dimitri Theophilus. You follow? I follow. It was Mr. Theophilus who brought the Vafio Cup into the firm. I furnished the cash capital. Vafio Cup, I do not follow. Yes, indeed. The only one of these treasures to fall into private hands. One of the fabulous Vafio Cups. Those exquisite and cunningly wrought examples of the art of the ancient Grecian goldsmith. Excavated by the great Schliemann from a beehive tomb in Sparta. Hmm, beehive. Mycenaean age. Just west of the Lion Gate. Oh, the Lion Gate. Uh, pardon me, uh, Mr. Brody. Are you trying to tell me that this cup is very valuable? Priceless. And that you will finally manage to find a buyer? Do you follow? And that you want me to deliver that package containing your priceless cup and return with your customer's cash? Accurately put. I presume you're bonded. Uncork me and see for yourself. <laughs> you are a droll fellow, to be sure. I had a light breakfast, drolls and coffee. Now, uh, what is this uh, Vafio cup? I will show it to you. You're about to see a treasure, but few eyes have looked upon in our time, Mr. Spade. The Vafio Cup. Handle it carefully. It's fragile. You could crush it in your hand like so much tinfoil. Yet this golden relic of a golden age has come down through the centuries miraculously unscathed. Note the delicately wrought lines of the bas-relief. The exquisite draperies on the figure of the caryatid. The anguish on the face of the fallen hunter. The sheer brute force of the wild boar charging to the kill. Holding this golden cup in your hands, you encompass 3,000 years. Do you comprehend why there's no question of insurance here? Frankly, I don't. My dear man, an item such as this is worth only as much as a collector will pay for it. This particular collector has offered $200,000. It might never be offered again. You follow? I follow. Very well. Here's your fee, $100. I follow. And here is the address of my client in Los Angeles, Commodore Jethro Chiswick. Oh, now, wait a minute. You will take the noon train. Any questions? Yeah, why can't I go on a plane? Because I've placed an item in this afternoon's papers to the effect that the treasure is to be transported by plane. If I were a Ghana, and I read that item, I'd uh, take the train. That would be your first thought. Then you would think they're saying they're taking the plane to make me think they're taking the train. Therefore, you would take the plane after all. Oh, would you? If you were really clever, you might say they're taking the plane to make one think it's the train, so I'll take the plane after all, and therefore... Never mind. By this time, he's decided on the bus. The train is perfectly safe. You follow? The package was light in the drawing room, and the train was comfortable. Seemed like an easy way to earn a hundred bucks. I knew it wouldn't last. Never does. I was prepared for the knock on the door, and I got ready for the inevitable small, dark man who plays the Peter Lorre part, but this one fooled me. He was a tall, thin actor with sandy hair. Okay, Shamus, hand over the package. You won't be no trouble. Sure, there it is on the seat. Take it. Huh? It's okay. You got me covered. I won't make any move. Hey, what are you trying to pull? It's a stick-up, isn't it? 
Uh, maybe I got the wrong compartment. No, that's it. The cup's in there. Unwrap it and see for yourself. Oh, no, you don't. I ain't picking up no booby traps. Oh, you're yellow, huh? <laughs> I know that one, too. Uh, don't cut no ice for me. Suit yourself. Game of gin? Hey, you're nuts. I'm getting out of here. Hey, wait a minute, pal. I'll buy you a drink. I don't drink. Lunch? In a goop. <laughs> yes, indeed, Mr. Spade. I agree. Clarence is a very comical fellow. So are you. <laughs> I took the liberty of stepping into your forecastle whilst you had your bit of railway in the after companionway with my mate, dear Clarence. You mind? Uh, not at all. Well, sir, I'm afraid you're going to mind a great deal. Oh! And that's how I met you, Commodore. I was so busy sizing up the 45 in your right hand that I didn't even notice when you left whipped out of your coat pocket with one of the largest saps I have ever felt. The next time I saw light, you were gone, the Vapio Cup was gone, and the train was pulling into San Jose. I got off, rode back to San Francisco with a truckload of chickens, and headed straight for my client's apartment. got here quick. Yeah. Come in. Thanks. <clears throat> well? Well, what? Look, uh, we can't both play this dead man. We'll stay in no place. It's in the back room. What is? The body. You're from the police, aren't you? I'm a private dick. How dare you? Hey, what was that for? For spying on me. You and all the other cheap gumshoes my husband hires. You're a Mrs. Brody? I'm Enid Theophilus. Didn't to meet... Did my husband hire you? My name is Sam Spade. I was hired by one Chester A. Brody, your husband's business partner. Well, Sam, I hope he paid you in advance, because he's the body. Chester A. Brody was just barely identifiable. Somebody had worked hard trying to persuade him to say or do something he either couldn't or wouldn't do. The only interesting clue was in the wastebasket. At first, I thought it was a flattened beer can. But it was the Vafio cup, or a facsimile thereof. Well, how do you like it, Sam? I don't. He was my client. I wasn't hired to protect him. I didn't like him, but he was my client. How would you like me for a client? I'll give you the name of a lawyer, sister. My name is Enid. Enid? Now, let's see what I can squeeze out of you before the cops do. Brody was your husband's business partner, and you're, uh... You don't have to be subtle. He was mad about me. I'm... I'm all broken up about his death. So was he. That wasn't funny. That time I deserved it. You don't like me, do you? Can't you get it through that steel-jacketed brain of yours that you're in bad trouble, that there's a dead man in the next room beaten to death and you're not supposed to be here? Oh, I was supposed to be here. We were going to elope as soon as you brought back the money from that, uh... Greek thing. Yeah, what about that Greek thing? It was an antique. It was called the Vafio Cup. Yes, I know about that. Yes, well, my husband dug it up in Greece and smuggled it into the country. Yeah? It was all he had, but it was such an important piece that he was able to persuade Chet, um, the late Chester Brody, that is, to let him in as a full partner. Then what? Well, they quarreled. My husband made some bad investments, and Chet wanted to sell the cup to save the firm. Dimitri refused. I didn't think it was fair, so I got the keys to his safety deposit box where the cup was, and Chet arranged to sell it to the Commodore. Did, uh, did you get the money from the Commodore? All I got from the Commodore was lumps. He stole the cup? Roger. You've got to get it back. I've got it. Where? Here, take a look. <gasps> it's ruined. 
Where did you find it? In a trash basket where it belongs. Dimitri did it. He must have suspected something and substituted a fake. That's it. He knows where the real one is. Somebody thought that your boyfriend knew. The one that killed him? That's the way it looks. Maybe that's the way it was meant to look. You know, somebody might get the idea that you palmed the genuine when you got it out of that safety deposit box. If I did, it was legal, and don't you forget it. A wife can't steal from her husband. Legally, they're one person you can't steal from yourself. That's the law. I was wrong. You don't need a lawyer. Will you help me? I may hurt you, and it'll cost you anyway. I know what's good for me. Money. Find that cup. I know what's good for me, too. So I uh, took her hundred bucks, advised her to go home, and made for my own humble lodging. They were not only humble, they were crowded. The man was small, but the gun was enormous. I said, uh, don't bother to introduce yourself. Your name is Dimitri Theopolis, and you want this package that I'm carrying. Makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. Here's important news on good grooming. If you want the well-groomed look that helps you get ahead socially and on the job, listen. Recently, thousands of people from coast to coast who bought Wild Root Cream Oil for the first time were asked, how does Wild Root Cream Oil compare with the hair tonic you previously used? The results were amazing. Better than four out of five who replied said they preferred Wild Root Cream Oil. Remember, non-alcoholic Wild Root Cream Oil contains lanolin. It grooms the hair naturally, relieves dryness, and removes loose, ugly dandruff. So if you want your hair to be more attractive than ever before... Get the generous new 25-cent size of Wild Root Cream Oil, America's leading hair tonic, on sale at all drug and toilet goods counters. It's also available in larger economy bottles and the handy new tube. Get Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. By the way, smart girls use Wild Root Cream Oil, too, and mothers say it's grand for training children's hair. Now, back to the Vafio Cup Caper. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. He didn't answer me, so I said it again. Uh, don't bother to introduce yourself. Your name is Dimitri Theopolis, and you want this package that I'm carrying. Of that be assured. You obtained this from my dear wife. And how did you find my darling? Not at the City Pond, surprisingly enough. Oh, you know, my dear wife. How soon you know my darling so well, more than I, her husband. <laughs> is it possible? I don't know, is it? I don't know either. I employ a detective. Not this one. I have need. My poor partner, Mr. Brody. You are interested. If you are interesting about who killed your partner, that's one thing. But if you want somebody to dig out your family secrets, that is nothing. With me, you are, shall we say, no place. But why don't I get the right to know? There'll be no trouble, no scandal, no divorcement suing. Of that be assured. Even poor Chester is dead, so... He's what one calls ancient history. While he lived, I knew nothing. I was blind. After he died, I see certain things. Yeah, well, uh, do you see that maybe your wife had a hand in Brody's death? What then? 
Well, if it so happens that you cannot separate my darling from that, uh, do you follow? Not quite. Ah. I'm not an old man, oh, but my that. dear wife is but two and twenty and a truly lovely person. Oh, she's all right. Uh, would it not be the part of husbandly wisdom to have, uh, shall I say, uh, a hold over her? If she's guilty, you won't need it. Good. <laughs> Please, I cannot hold the gun and handle my wallet at the same time. Please. Uh, no, thanks. You keep the gun, I'll take the wallet. Oh, you trust me. You will work for me. Yeah, I'll work for anybody. <laughs> Here, I uh, left your cab. Back. Oh, assuredly, you are so very kind. Oh, I'm not so All kind. the pockets, yes? No. The, then I don't hesitate to suit you. Now, wait a minute. Yes. This is the fake. You sure you want this? Assuredly, yes. A man has already been killed for it. Your life's a high price to pay for a fake, though fancy, tin cup. You still think that's the price? Brother, I know it. Then you know I will kill you for it. Okay, if it means that much to you, and I guess it does, it's all yours. Okay, thank you. Okay. Uh, please remain where you are. If you follow me, I will surely suit you. my front window, I watched them come out downstairs and start across the street. Then it happened. I saw the gun flash as it fired, and Theophilus slumped to the pavement. The package slid away from him into the gutter. I beat it down to him. He'd taken all three pellets in the midsection from close range. His pulse flooded once or twice and then stopped. When I went to look for the package, it wasn't there. I called homicide and waited until they took him away. When I told Lieutenant Dundee what I had in mind, he congratulated me on my brilliant scheme and told me to go ahead with it. That was his mistake. I even talked him out of assigning any of his harness men to watch my building for the next couple of hours. That was my mistake. I went upstairs, opened the bottle, and waited for your knock on my door, Commodore. Well, sir, a man would almost think you expected us. Keep a better eye on him, Clarence. Don't let him get to lured. Aye, sir. Welcome aboard. No time for scuttlebutt, Mr. Spade. We are bound for Bulilong Bali on the MacArthur Maru, sailing at dawn. I want that cup. The true, the genuine, the Vaffio cup. No more deceptions, no more trickery. You will hand it over without further delay. Sure. Be glad to. Oh, no, not like that. You will tell Clarence where it is stowed. And Clarence will fetch it above decks. Why, you old barnacle. Theophilus never had his mitts on a genuine Vafio cup. Bilgewater, sir. When Theophilus landed in San Francisco, he didn't have a farthing. Now he owes half a million dollars. If he hadn't got the genuine cup, how could he have borrowed all that money? Because a bunch of morons like you believed he had it. Blast my binnacles, man. You sound as though you believed what you're saying. Look, uh, Commodore, you're interested in high finance. Now, how did Ivor Kruger make his millions? Why, matches. He was the match king, sir. Uh, matches had nothing to do with it, Commodore. He uh, started out with 15 million bucks worth of phony government bonds that he printed himself. Follow? They weren't even good counterfeits, but he was smart enough not to try and cash them. He just kept them in a safety deposit box and borrowed money. Theophilus uh, used his phony Vafio cup the same way. Lost my binnacles, man. You sound as though you believe what you're saying. That has a familiar ring to it. I do. And I'll tell you why. 
He knew that that was the fake in the package when he held me up for it. He was willing to risk his own life to get it out of circulation. Dash my timbers. Old Theophilus has left us without a shot in the locker. He steered us onto the shoals. We're on our beam ends. Hey, turn him off, Commodore. You're pumping bilge flush. We better haul our wind. Yes, indeed. I'm afraid it's getting rather warm in San Francisco. Bully long, Beckons. You won't make it past the potato patch. What? The cops are going to want some answers about a couple of stiffs you left behind in San Francisco. I'm glad you reminded me. Shall I plug him? No, no. We are taking him with us. Oh, that's what you think. Take it easy, mate. This ain't going to hurt a bit. A reek of chloroform filled the room and a fist pounded into my belly. It knocked my wind out and at the same time my nose collided with something wet and cold. I swung out but didn't connect. Before I could swing again, the room blurred and the ceiling light floated down to meet me. Then the lights went out altogether. At first, I couldn't figure it. It uh, sounded like what a doctor hears through a stethoscope or maybe an earthquake or maybe ship engines, which it turned out to be. When the lights came on again, I was lying on a bunk in a stateroom. I staggered across to the wash basin and splashed water in my face. Hello, you. Oh, Enid, as I hardly live and breathe. It could get worse. Yeah, where are we? Oh, not very far out. Not past the Farallone. Uh, good, I'm a stowaway and I'll put me off with the pilot. Oh, no, you're not. Your passage is paid. Mine? It is, huh? It is. Do you know who you are? Who am I? Chester Brody. Then I'm dead. They'll bury me at sea. Roger. Who are you? I'm your widow. What's the score, widow? Chester and I booked passage on this ship a week ago. It was part of the plan. Chester and the Commodore worked it all out. Yeah, the cup was to have been stolen from me on the train. Yes, but when the Commodore discovered it was a fake, everything fell to pieces. Yeah, he thought Chester was double-crossing him. Hmm? They forced Chet to talk. He told them Dimitri still had the genuine Vafio cup and had hired you for the double-cross. Maybe he really believed it. Anyway, they killed Dimitri. Yeah. Well, there's nothing on them yet. But uh, you're a material witness, sweetheart, to at least one of the killings. That's extraditable. When that dawns on them, they'll uh, scuttle you, too. It's already dawned on them. I'm, I'm desperate. Yes, I notice. For you, you're practically hysterical. We have to face facts. Yeah, well, give me a couple to face right now. Where are the Commodore and Clarence? Up on the bridge. Good. All you have to do is walk straight up to the captain. He'll put him under arrest. Well, that might be a good idea, darling. Only... Only what? Only the Commodore is the captain. That tore it. Your uh, salty talk had fooled me, Commodore. I never dreamed that you were really an old sea dog, and I do mean dog. But two can play at that game. From my own intimate knowledge of Sea Story magazines, I realized that all hands would be turned to on the cargo gear, and the crew quarters would be, therefore, empty. In more time than it takes to tell... Enid and I had fitted ourselves out in dungarees, jumpers, and watch caps and turned to with them. You two, look alive. Stow that preventer. Oh, me? You uh, may recall, Commodore, you may recall me as the man who ran for a fire extinguisher when the bosun yelled, Stow the preventer. But experience is the best teacher, and by the time we hove to to put the pilot over the side, things were in such a state of confusion that you had retreated to your cabin with a quadruple ration of grog. 
Seizing that moment, I threw Enid over the side, yelled, Man overboard! And jumped in after him. Once safely aboard the pilot schooner, we revealed our true identity, and a merry laugh was enjoyed by all. It uh, dropped us at the foot of Margaret, and we waved warm farewells to our erstwhile rescuers, then to the snug haven of my office in a friendly cup, if you'll pardon the expression, in the grateful warmth of a gas radiator. Hmm. Unhealthy. <sighs> Who, me? Gas fumes. Mm. Why don't you move into a building with steam heat? I, I like this building. Uh -huh. uh, I've been here for a long time. You don't make much money, do you? You don't have to rub it in. It's a living. <laughs> you happy? Mm. Sure I am, I guess. Well, I guess it's all right, then. <clears throat> you know, sweetheart, uh, mm -hmm. there's uh, something missing in you. Huh? What? Well, I don't know. Well, then how do you know? Forget it. Well, I guess I'll go. Do you, uh, do you mind if I don't see you to the door? Why should I? What? <laughs> hey, you are human. Yeah, they're wet. Go ahead, sweetheart. Cry all you want. It's been tough. You shouldn't have kept it bottled up this long. No, it, it, it's not what you think. Well, what is it? It's you. You're so nice. I'm nice? Yeah, but you're no place. You never will be. And neither will I. And that, Commodore, is the cargo. It was nice seeing you again down at the hall. They uh, tell me you and Clarence are both trying to turn state's evidence. But according to the late bulletins, Clarence was leading by a neck in the stretch. Get it? The DA was afraid the jury might not understand your salty talk. Period. End of sea chanty. Oh, Sam. Yes, what, what, what? Oh, Sam. Hmm? Well, I just can't. I, well, why I can't, can't you? Are, are you feeling okay, F? Oh, Sam. Hmm? You betrayed your trust. You... Effie, speak oh. to me. What is it? What is it? I betrayed my trust. What? What? Well, those criminals were on that boat. Yes. And you... You jumped overboard. You feel that I was recalcitrant? Is that it? That my actions were not true blue? Clear cut? Is that it? Oh, I'll just go type this up, and I'm sure you can explain. I hope you can. I hope. Sour racket. <laughs> Question, what's the easiest and best way there is to give your hair that well-groomed look? Answer, Wild Root Cream Oil. Yes, non-alcoholic Wild Root Cream Oil with soothing lanolin gives you the advantages considered most important in a hair tonic. It grooms your hair neatly and naturally, relieves annoying dryness, removes loose, ugly dandruff. Call at your drug or toilet goods counter tonight or first thing tomorrow for Wild Root Cream Oil. If you've never tried it before... Get the generous new 25-cent bottle just introduced. Also, ask your barber for a professional application of Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Oh, here it is, Sam. I hope the spelling is all right. I was so upset. You hate me, then? Oh, no. No. I suppose it's foolish going along thinking that your ideal doesn't have feet of clay. 
Oh, Sam, I, I, I just can't. I just can't imagine. Don't you think? Don't you think I can explain that? Oh, yes, I'm sure you can explain. But you did. You deserted your post and jumped overboard like a stinking rat. That's right. Oh, but Sam, that's so unlike you. It was just by chance they were apprehended. By chance, you say? Who do you think it was that got himself shot out of a torpedo tube in that submarine? You, Sam? No, you think I'm crazy? <laughs> I did something few radio detectives ever do, sweetheart. I called the harbor patrol single-handed using only one nickel and had them picked up. Oh, Sam, I wish I'd been there. Well, it was just a small phone booth. Besides, if you'd been there, it would have been out of order or something. Oh, Sam, you came through after all. Aren't you ashamed that you ever doubted me? Yes, I am. I'm a fool. There, there, there. I forgive you. Good night, Sam. Good night, sweetheart. <laughs> The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Dove. Lorene Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dowd. Musical direction is by Lud Gluskin with score composed by Rene Garrigan. Join us again next Sunday when author Dashiell Hammett and producer William Spear join forces for another adventure with Sam Spade. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with soothing lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keeping all the gals away. Hiya, Baldy. Get Wild Root right away This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options. In stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. The non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Detective Agency. Hey, it's me, hey, Sammy the Spade. Sam, Sam, it's not true, is it? Every word of it. What? That you've been consorting with unsavory characters? Well, uh, she was a savory enough girl, Effie, although a crook. Well, according to the paper, she's practically a murderess, not to mention that she's dancing the Roomba with you. That's a lie. There's a picture of you. Virginia Vale, gangland glamour girl, caught at the Club Iberia 
in barefoot Roomba with private eye. It was not a Roomba. It was a bambuco. Da, 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 da. Oh, boom. Sam, not over the phone. Boom, I can't stop him. Boom, 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 boom. Stay where you are. Boom, 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 boom. I'll be right down to dictate my report on the lawless caper. Boom, boom, boom. Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama... Join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. Say, have you gotten acquainted with Wild Root Cream Oil yet? Tell you what, mister, if you haven't, even if you don't use any hair tonic at all, why not ask at your drug or toilet goods counter tonight or tomorrow for the brand new 25-cent Get Acquainted bottle of Wild Root Cream Oil. You like the way Wild Root Cream Oil grooms your hair neatly and naturally, relieves dryness, and removes loose dandruff. You never dreamed one hair tonic could do so much. So give it a try. Get the generous new 25-cent bottle of Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. I think I'm getting in there. You've lost your shoes. Ready, sweetheart? Yes, Sam. Uh, no questions? No, Sam. That uh, picture in the paper doesn't mean a thing, Effie. There was nothing between Virginia and me. Just wasn't room. Well, uh, that bambuco, you know, that's the way we dance it. Authentic. Sam, I troubled to call my girlfriend, Edna Mae Schwartz, who is an instructor at Arthur Murray's. Mm -hmm. I quote, the partners exchange graceful nods in the center of the dance floor and then separate. Well, uh... As a senorita provocatively leads a pursuing caballero through a series of gay whirls, turns, and figures. There you see, provocative. But he never catches her, Sam. Well, I had my shoes off. That gave me the advantage. You know best, Sam. Well, that clears that up. Uh, date? August uh, 29th. I will give the date. Fill it in. That still doesn't explain you're operating on the wrong side of the law. Down, Effie. This goes to John M. Lawless. A known gangster. What else? From Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Boom. Thank you, Effie. Subject, uh, Joe Morales. Uh, dear Johnny. You, uh, hired me yesterday morning, but the real start of it was back in 45 flashback. San Francisco was just recovering from VJ Day, and crime was practically at a standstill, because your number one competitor in the West Coast mobs had just been rubbed out, and you were on trial for same. Nothing about the trial made any sense. The tea time chatter in the better pool rooms was that you were taking the rap for your worst enemy, Joe Morales. What made even less sense, the lawyer defending you was Joe's brother. So I wasn't a bit surprised to receive your check for $25 together with an invitation to be in the third row of the courtroom when the jury returned the verdict. I was. The defendant will please rise. <coughs> Step forward, please. Have you anything to say why judgment of this court should not be passed upon you? Yeah. It's a bad beef. <coughs> the judgment of this court is that you, John Lawless, for the crime of manslaughter having feloniously run down, run over, and killed 
with a certain automobile the deceased person named in the indictment, and having subsequently departed the scene in violation of the hit-and-run statute, are hereby sentenced to a term of three to ten years in the state prison of the state of California. You didn't even look at the judge while he was dishing it out. Your eyes were on the man sitting directly in front of me. The man you were supposed to be taking the rap for. The man you had deliberately planted me behind, Joe Morales. I wondered what that meant. When the judge brought down his gavel, I found out. You came up the aisle with a deputy on one arm and your lawyer on the other. He seemed upset about something. I'm sorry, Johnny. I did the best I could. They've given me the judge I asked you for. You passed I... on that jury, you cheap shyster. Okay, just wait till you get my bill. Shut up. Oh, wait a minute, Sheriff. I want to speak to a friend. Hey, Johnny, hurry up. We got a train to catch. Hey, you, Joe. Yeah, Johnny? I got just this to say to you. I'm going up, but I'm not staying, see? If I'm not paroled out in three, I'll break out. Either way, I'll get you, even if it means a murder. Oh, now, listen, Johnny. You, you heard know... me, Spade? Yeah, Johnny. I wish I hadn't. Well, Johnny, we've got to go. Okay, okay. Don't forget what I said, Joe. So long, Sam. Good luck, Johnny. Hey, Sally. Yeah, Joe? You hear what he said? I know. He's going to knock me. Hey, this guy's a witness. Name is Spade. Spade, uh, my brother Sally. Salvador Morales. You may have heard of me. Yeah, if I'm ever up in a hit and run, remind me not to hire you. <laughs> Come along, Spade, where we can talk quietly. Just over here. My conference room. Look, uh, we got nothing to talk about. Oh, yes, we have. Watch it. I just got this suit pressed. Yeah, right in here. Is it all over? How did it come out? Where were you? In here. I couldn't force myself to stay out there. What did he get? Three to ten. Three to ten? Is that... Oh, I mean, how terrible. How terrible. Best I could do. This is Sam Spade, my dear. This is Virginia Vale, Johnny Lawless's fiancée. The San Quentin widow. Well, uh, how's Trex, Virginia? Why did they bring you here? Maybe they know. He's a witness. Witness? To a threat Johnny made against my brother's life. My own client. <laughs> What's funny... Ask your brother. That threat would even get you rid against him to keep the peace. What do you mean, Sam? Uh, sweetheart, threats don't mean anything in law unless they're backed up by some action. Even if he told you the when, the where, and the how, it wouldn't be worth anything until you're dead. But it would be worth something then? Sure, it shows premeditation. Then if he knew he was overheard, you'd be forced to testify if anything happened to Joe. Hey, beautiful, what are you trying to do to me? Oh, I mean, he'd think twice before he tried anything. You'd be safe, Joe. Well, honey, I, uh, I didn't know you cared. About you, I don't. I just wouldn't want Johnny to do anything foolish. End of flashback. That was uh, three years ago. A lot of big news has broken since then, but the only items that interested you in San Quentin were printed on the inside pages of the local press. Item. Virginia Vale, your fiancé, got herself engaged to Joe Morales, your worst enemy. And item. Salvador Sally Morales, your mouthpiece, had taken over your mob. Which brings us up to yesterday morning. Yeah? That you, Sam? Who's this? Johnny Lawless, remember me? No. I was hoping you'd say that. Look, Sam, I, I got a job for you. Call Peeper Breen. He may need it bad enough. I've got no contacts in the mobs anymore. This is clean. How clean? A chance to save an innocent man from the gas chamber. Well, There's I... a grand in it for you. Wait till I get a pencil. Now, uh, what was the address? The Alma Arms on Pine Street near Jones. Yeah? Buzz me three times. One long, two short. And make sure there's no one on your tail. Got it. was not tailed. I found your name on the bell panel, buzzed one long and two short, and the automatic lock clicked me in. You were waiting, one flight up in the open door of your apartment. You didn't say anything, just made sure it was me, motioned me inside, locked the door, and led me back to a bedroom. 
There it is, Sam. Mm-hmm. Joe Morales. Dead about three hours, I'd say. Four slugs, chest, shoulder, and head. Looks like amateur work, a professional aims for the belly, or did you mean it to look like an amateur job? Would I be sap enough to drop him in my own apartment? Besides, he's my lawyer's brother, and I might need Sally again. Why did you call me? Well, you heard what I said to Joe after the trial. Who told you that, Virginia? Yeah, but she didn't have to. Didn't I ask you to sit there? Well, that's one thing that worries me. Look, uh, let's go in the other room, huh? I feel like a drink. Well, here's my pitch, Sam. I checked out of San Quentin yesterday morning. I didn't have a mark against me. The warden himself put my case before the parole board. He called me the ideal prisoner. Shall we dance? Okay, Sam, okay. But a man can change a lot in three years. So can a woman. <laughs> Virginia met me at the gate and we drove into the city. We didn't have a thing to say to each other. The way I felt by the time the ride was over, Joe could have her and welcome. I had other plans. Such as? Well, the parole board was getting me a job with a mining firm, a, a surveyor. I took a course up at Quinton. You uh, seriously expect me to swallow this line of guff? Listen, you don't get fat making a living on the mace. Take half of these guys you hear telling the world what wonders they are at puffing boxes, knocking over joints, and the rest of the lays. Yeah, not half of them make three meals a day at it. Then what chance has a guy without a regular racket? And, brother, that's me. I'll buy that for now. Let's uh, talk about that dead body. All right. Well, I, uh, I called Joe on the phone this morning, see, and I told him to meet me here at three this afternoon. I wanted to tell him, forget about what I said about how I was going to get him. Not that I wanted to write off that rap I took for him. But if he was scared, he might come gunning for me. I might have to break parole to defend myself. About Virginia, like I told you, we got nothing to talk about. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful while it lasted. So he was due here at three, huh? Huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was held up. As a matter of fact, I was with my lawyer at the time. Sally? Yeah, I, uh, I phoned the building and uh, told the superintendent to let him, let Joe in, and then I got here about a quarter past four. But I didn't find him until just before six when I called you, Sam. How come? Well, I, I just didn't look in the bedroom. I figured he got uh, tired waiting and left, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Well, look, uh, Johnny, assuming your story is true, and if it isn't, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, who do you think did it? Well, that depends on why. If it was somebody gunning for him, it would depend on what's going in the mob since I've been in Quinton. You know more about that than I do. If it was somebody trying to frame me... What do you mean, trying? Hey, wait a minute. I got a phone homicide. You must have known that when you called me. Yeah, that's why I ripped the wires out. That's cute. That's very cute. Oh, look. That makes you look real good. Look, look, Sam, look. I'm not asking you to do anything extracurricular. Sure, you have to yell, cop but you'll do it over a pay station downstairs. And by the time anybody can get back up here, that stiff will be out. It will. Well, how's that going to be done? I, uh, I got a friend in the undertaking business. Met him up at Quinton. He just installed a new crematorium. You should have called him first. I did, but I can call him off. You're stir happy. Look, Sam, look, how about it, huh? So the cops come in tonight, tomorrow. Who cares? Not Joe, the weather he'll keep. What do you say, Sam? What do you say? I say you're probably bluffing, that you got no way of getting rid of the stiff, but on the outside chance that you might not be bluffing, I'll string along with you for a couple of hours. If I don't turn up anything by then, the deal is off. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, but this isn't... Hey! Sorry, I got to... do it! I hated to do it, Johnny. You were out of condition and you weren't expecting it. But I wanted you to look like a hospital case. After you went down and out, I transferred my fee from your wallet to mine. 
examined your wounds and decided you were good for two hours at St. Agnes Hospital, where I know the head nurse. Uh, incidentally, that reminds me. Uh, uh, so without further delay, I toted you downstairs, threw you into a taxi, and delivered you to the ambulance entrance. That's when I remembered that I had forgotten one thing. I hadn't given you a chance to call off your alleged undertaker friend. I was sure that that part of your story was bluff, but just to make sure, I rushed back to your apartment in less time than it takes the average undertaker to back his hearse out of the garage, I thought. When I got there, I wasn't so sure. The apartment had been tidied up, ashtrays emptied, glasses put away. They'd even vacuumed the rug. The blood-stained bedspread had been removed, and with it, the corpus delecti. I found myself humming an old tune. I ain't got nobody. The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. Here's important news on good grooming. If you want the well-groomed look that helps you get ahead, socially and on the job, listen. Recently, thousands of people from coast to coast who bought Wild Root Cream Oil for the first time were asked, how does Wild Root Cream Oil compare with the hair tonic you previously used? The results were amazing. Better than four out of five who replied said they preferred Wild Root Cream Oil. Remember, non-alcoholic Wild Root Cream Oil contains lanolin. It grooms the hair naturally relieves dryness, and removes loose, ugly dandruff. So if you want your hair to be more attractive than ever before, get the generous new 25-cent size of Wild Root Cream Oil, America's leading hair tonic on sale at all drug and toilet goods counters. It's also available in larger economy bottles and the handy new tube. Get Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. By the way, smart girls use Wild Root Cream Oil, too. And mothers say it's grand for training children's hair. And now, back to the lawless caper. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. In most murder cases, there are too many suspects, too many motives, and too many clues from the very beginning. I'd been on this one three hours, and I succeeded in turning up no suspects, no clues, and the most shameful thing of all, I had lost the body of the victim. I consoled myself with the thought that he was in no condition to tell me anything anyway, but then neither were you, Johnny. You'd uh, checked out of the hospital, no forwarding address. But in a gin mill down on the mission, I found a character with the unlikely name of Porky Grout. Uh, Porky is theoretically alive and will tell all he knows about anybody, which is plenty, but two fingers of rye. I gave him a handful. Uh, easy, easy. Uh. Uh, the, uh, the Joe Morales smiled, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they dusted this town. They moved to Las Vegas five, six months ago. Uh, how come uh, Joe stayed in San Francisco? Oh, uh, him and his brother had a beef with each other. That's uh, Sally Morales, the lawyer? Yeah, the mouthpiece. Uh, he, not, not too close, yeah, what was it all about? Oh, that dame, Virginia Vale. Yeah, after she and Joe framed Johnny Lawless on that hit-and-run job, well, they disagreed on methods of administration. <coughs> yeah, not so close. Oh. So she and Sally team up. 
And Sally uses his business connections to pull off this big combine, you see? Yeah, I heard of it, Las Vegas. Uh, how do I get to Sally? <laughs> oh, my, my throat's dry. I can't hardly talk. Uh, hey, uh, Riley, put out the bottle. Uh, and bring an airwick. Yeah. Uh, here we are. Yeah, that's right. Oop, <laughs> sloppy. Easy, easy. I'll help you. Uh, great, huh? Great stuff. Uh, not too close. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, when do you want to get to him? Tonight? Uh, right now. <clears throat> Let me see. The dame don't dance to nothing but rumba music, and she don't drink nothing but imported French champagne. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Furthermore, she don't go nowhere where she don't get her picture taken, and he don't dare take a drink in a place that pays him protection. Well, this being after hours, there's only approximately one place they could be at. That's the Iberia out on Van Ness. <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Thank you and good night, Porky Grout. If your friends won't tell you, I will. What? Please don't bother to answer. I didn't have any trouble picking out their table. Virginia spotted me at about the same time, grabbed up her purse, muttered an excuse to her escort, and edged around the dance floor. She caught me in the middle of a bambuco, a combination of a rumba, a samba, and guarasha. And whirled me lightly out onto the floor. I followed as best I could. Listen, you shouldn't have come here. Uh, how did I know? Our first dance would be at Don Puco. Oh, you danced divinely. Oh. But you must leave at once. Uh, Sally is insanely jealous, and he's in an especially bad mood tonight. Yeah, so am I. I know why you came. You want up on me. Johnny Lawless has been in touch with you, hasn't he? You uh, talked to him since yesterday morning? No. He's bound to get in touch with you. Yeah. I don't know what story he's told you, but don't believe a word of it. He only wants to get you out of the way so he can get back at Joe. Joe thinks Joe framed him into San Quentin. Oh, you can stop worrying about Joe. Huh? Sam, what are you... Uh, he's dead, if that's news to you. I... I think you'd better talk to Sally after all. Come on. Well, I was just getting the hang of it. Well, my dear. So you've met another old friend. Huh? Hello, Sally. Hello. Sit down, Spade. Thanks. Sally. Huh? Sam says Joe is dead. Joe? Murdered? Yeah. Well, it was bound to happen. I warned him to get out of town before Johnny Lawless came back. Johnny says he was with you when it happened. <laughs> Juries don't go for alibis, Spade. Best defense I could give him would be that I defend him despite the fact he's accused of killing my own brother. But look here. As his attorney, I have the right to know what he retained you for. To find out who did kill Joe. Huh? That's what he said. Have you found out? Not yet. Any leads? Not many. Now, what's the difficulty? The corpse. Somebody swiped it. You can't mean that. I can, and I do. Well, that doesn't make sense. Unless Johnny arranged it himself. But he couldn't have. No contacts. Of course, he might have disposed of it without help. It's been done, you know. Not tonight. I'm his alibi there. I don't believe it. You're just telling that story to see how we'll react. That's why I'm telling it, but it's not a story. It's the McCoy. Sally, what can it mean? If Johnny didn't do it, then somebody must have done it to frame him. And if they did that, they wouldn't turn around and get rid of the evidence, would they? What? Well, the whole thing is wild, wild. You know, uh, there might have been two people who thought they were a team, but one of them was really working against the other and for Johnny. Huh? Well, that's absurd, isn't it, Sally? Is it, my dear? He's trying to play us off against each other. Don't fall for it, Sally. I had nothing to do with any of it. You've got to believe that. Yes, I was sure of you when Johnny was out of the way. You wanted him out of the way, you admit it. You're still in love with him, aren't you? Oh, aren't you? Alice, are you hurting me? Hurting? I'll help the DA write his brief. 
you'll go to Tehachapi for body snatching. Go ahead. I can't wait to get on the stand. The things I'll tell about you, how you let Johnny go up on that hit and run when you knew it was my idea and I was in the car with Joe. Oh, you will. Not a jury in the country would blame me for protecting my own brother. Protecting him. You were framing him even then. So you can have me for yourself. Oh, I'll have you in the gas chamber if you keep insisting. Your uh, own brother. Squeeze out of that one if you can. I can. The body? Love of woman surpasses brotherly love. <laughs> I can see the jury now. Edie, get up. Victim of a designing woman caught in the toilet. You... Nuts, nuts. I don't care whether either of you is guilty or both or neither of whatever. If I get that body back tonight, I'll let the cops worry about it. If I don't, I'll confess to everything myself and name all three of you as accomplices. You... All right. All right, Spade. You say your only concern is that body. Right. Right. Here. Here's $500. Another 500 when you find it, huh? Does that convince you? Well, it helps. Here. My diamonds. Take them all. No, no, keep the diamonds, Virginia. If Sally gets sent up first, you'll need them for your defense. Think it over, kids. I'm calling the cops right now. Uh, Roy, Sam Spade. Where's Dundee? Oh, he's asleep. Sam, I've been trying to reach you. Yeah, but do you know why? Why, sure, about Johnny Lawless. Is there something we don't know, Sam? Well, uh, I'll uh, come down and give you a statement. It's about Joe Morales. What about him? Well, he got knocked off and uh, somebody lifted the corpse. Oh, Sam, nobody lifted it. Uh, Then who did? We picked it up, Sam, right after you called us. Right after I... Oh, yeah. Yeah, what time was that? Uh, let's see, I got it here. Uh, 20 minutes past six. Lose your watch? That ain't all. What's that, Sam? Call you back. What's up, Sally? Come on, come out of there. Well, I wasn't planning to spend the night in a phone booth. Why the heater? It's for you, Sam. You must be nuts pulling a gun in a crowded joint like this. <laughs> hey, stop looking at it. Come on. Up those stairs. Now, look, sir. In there. Easy. Where's your girlfriend? Well, I... I sent her home, Sam. She can't stand the sight of blood. (laughs) You clown. Oh. You were pretty funny, too, when you made that phone call. I didn't believe you'd go through with it. What makes you think I'm interested in that old rap? Johnny's already done the time for it. Joe can't talk, and I don't want to. I don't care what you want. It's what I want. That's what counts. Does it? You wanted Virginia? You got her. Oh, not the point. Just doesn't sound good. Salvador Morella's sweetheart going up on a murder rap. Well, you trimmed it down to manslaughter for Johnny Lawless, and she's enough prettier to rate an acquittal, or are we talking about the same killing? <laughs> you think Virginia killed Joe Morellas, don't you? Why? I... Because she seems so anxious to pin it on Johnny Lawless. Well? Well, nothing. Only I've got a score to settle with Johnny Lawless myself, you see. Uh... He uh, left me out in a limb with that body snatch. If I can pin the killing on him, I got a story for the cops. Now, show how smart you are. Shoot me. I fully intend to. Now, look. Hold it, Sally. Hello, Johnny. You can do it yourself, Johnny. I was going to do it for you, but you can do it yourself. I don't get it. He's trying to pin that murder on you, Johnny. Like you pin that old hit and run on me? It's not the same, Johnny. Joe's killing is worth life if you're lucky. I never had much luck. Let him have it, Johnny. What have you got to lose? Well, you want me to... No, no, no. Uh, Step back, Sally. Okay. He dead? Yeah. You planned it different, didn't you, Johnny? Yeah. 
Yeah, but I might as well get two for the price of one. Yeah, I planned it different, but I don't seem to care anymore. Well, then you won't need that. Huh? Sorry, Johnny. By the way, I'd like to thank you for keeping me in the clear. How come? That phone call you made the homicide using my name. Without that, I might be going up with you. How'd you figure it? Nobody but you had anything to gain by making that body seem to disappear. You knew I wouldn't check with the police till I'd made a try at locating it on my own. You knew I'd use the disappearance as a handle to shake what I could out of Sally and Virginia. You knew they'd suspect each other because I had you alibied by the time of the body snatch, and that would start them screaming accusations at each other. Did they say enough to send them up? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much will stick, but enough. They both admit Joe did that hit-and-run job I was sent up for? He and Virginia together. So she was with him. Three years ago, I wouldn't have wanted to know that. Now it sounds good. I didn't think it really sounded good to you. I was sorry to hear it myself, and after all, I'd only danced a bambuco with a mouse. I'm sorry things turned out the way they did, and it's a little late to be making with the advice, but, uh, well, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men gang after glade. And as you say, what chance has a man got without a regular racket? Period. End of report. Well, heavens to Betsy. How can you be so sympathetic with a girl who did all those terrible things? Oh, I know, F. I know. It's a silly dance, but she looked cute while she was doing it. I don't mean the dance. You mean the best laid plans? What does that mean, Sam? That gang after glade? I'll give you a hint, sweetheart. It's something you never need worry about. Why? I sensed that somehow. Who was that hit-and-run victim? Well, they named that dance after him, uh, George L. Bambuco. I don't believe it. <laughs> Sam, what does it mean? What does it mean? You know. A uh, gang after Glay? Snafu. Oh, why didn't you say so? <laughs> Dialects yet. <laughs> Good night, Sam. Good night, sweetheart. Oh. Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Duff. Lorene Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tolman and Gil Dow. Musical direction is by Lud Gluskin with score composed by Rene Garagang. Join us again next Sunday when author Dashiell Hammett and producer William Spear join forces for another adventure with Sam Spade. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie! That wraps it up for tonight's show at 1001 Radio Grime Solvers. We really enjoy good reviews, so when you have a chance, say something nice about a selection of shows, or maybe suggest some to us. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.